Welcome to a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat champion, trash-talking, gut guy, winner, and some number-loving nerd who just is obsessed with them spreadsheets to try to bring a consensus to you for the best fantasy football podcast out there. Who am I joined by? You're joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Todd, it's our, we're, we're back Wednesday night. It's been a little bit. We haven't talked as much in, during week as we normally do. So I feel like I miss you a little bit. I'm excited to talk to you tonight. So it was nice to catch up before the show started. But this is, this is our bread and butter. Let's do this. Your Voxer input this week was all over the map, man. Like, I was like, I couldn't reply to all six things at one time. All over the map. But you know what it did? It was nice to hear your voice. I just kind of played it while I laid in bed, being like, oh, Dave's voice. So soothing. What's really funny about that, Todd, is that in another vo- in the Rookie Fever Voxer chat, I left, like, just word vomit in a 25-second message. And Mike Finero said, like, I basically listened to it, like, 15 times, dude. It was hysterical. And it, it literally was word vomit. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. I could totally see that happening. For checking in, uh, I got something I got to get off my chest here a little bit here, Spaceman. Well, before we do that, we should say we're missing someone tonight. We are. Sorry, I, I got the I got comfy in my host chair. We are missing our brother, Mr. Kennedy, FF the Walrus. He's not, not feeling it tonight, uh, having a tough night, helping out with uh, the little one that's refusing to sleep. Godspeed, buddy. His back's been bothering him, Todd. I think maybe the hosting duties are too much for him. It's hurting his back a little bit too much. That's fine, man. I, I could pick up the slack. It, it's harder to follow me, you know? He's following a three-time champion. It's difficult, Dave. It's difficult. But nah, for real, Shawnee, we miss you, buddy. Dave, you ready for my vent? Todd, we're, this is our therapy session. Let's get it out. Let's get it out there. Let's go. So Dave and I are both members of the public school community. And as a teacher, the death of the snow day is the most depressing thing ever. Remote learning is absolutely exhausting and not engaging. And I spent a lot of my time just checking in on my kids' social-emotional health. Do you know what's great for social-emotional health? A freaking snow day. Because it's like this instant gratification of being able to get a break that's unexpected to go outside and enjoy the outdoors when nobody's trying to go outdoors most of the time. But yet, common sense teaches us, let's just ram more work down your throat for three hours that day instead of giving you a break that every single person that's ever been in school has celebrated since the dawn of Horace Mann. I don't know if Horace Mann's had snow days when he first started, but I'm going to pretend he did. Like, come on, dude. So depressing that snow days are dead. My fist is raised in unity with your statement, Todd. It's like, the so I teach high school. I just think of elementary school kids, man. Like, you're going to tell me, like, a freaking eight-year-old has to do, like, online work for two to three hours instead of going outside and freaking sledding on, a fresh, on some fresh powder? Get out of here. Drives me nuts. But anyways, to make a little, to make a little shift, uh, I have some exciting news. As I broke last week, I, uh, at last episode, I am officially a Debbie Ranker. For the IDP guys, and I recently finished my top 25 
with uh, some brief commentary on each player, and I'm going to try to keep that going for at least my top 50. I also included my criteria for how I develop my C2C ranking. So that's Campus to Canton leagues. Because obviously it's a league where you end up, like, you know, rostering two teams. And, you know, there's a lots of different ways to approach that. I was excited. I'm excited for that. Uh, I, the idea of having my own rankings on a site. And I just, obviously I love Debbie. So I'm excited for that to come out. And uh, we're going to knock out the rest of the top 50 this weekend. And uh, it's going to be a good Debbie season, my friend. Dave. Any shout out to my friend? First off, congrats on the, on the stuff you're doing with IDP guys. It's exciting. I, I really enjoy a lot of people on that site. And it's just really cool to see you over there and, and doing well. So hats off to you, sir. I, I'm just glad that I'm there to help pick up the slack that Joey the Tooth is like leaving in that place. Dude, he's swell. I can't, I, I can't say anymore. He's just swell. I don't, I don't know. I hadn't heard of Joey the Tooth reference in a while. I thought you guys maybe been on the outs, but I'm glad that you guys are still uh, bantering back and forth. So there's that. So anyway, a couple things before I get into what I've been kind of working on too, but today, so we're recording on Wednesday, but today is National Girl and Woman in Sports Day. So that's a really cool, it's not even really cool. I think it's just a really important day as we see a shift, I believe, in the importance of women in sports and just how the contributions they make as athletes, as professionals. And we see a lot of people in the fantasy community too who are just really enjoy people. A lot of women in the fantasy community, Liz, Lo- Liz Loza for Yahoo is awesome. Linda Lyons, one of my favorite people in fantasy. Cooter Doodle is one of the funniest people on the internet. And Katie Flower, probably one of, one of the wittiest and sharpest fantasy minds in general, but also in the Devi community, just phenomenal. Just a couple of shout outs to them because... Stick ass! <laughs> they make our experience in fantasy football better and I actually don't know what it would be like without them. So shout out to girl and women in sports today. And also it is Black History Month. Everything that has happened in 2020, everyone knows what it is from the hundreds of thousands of lives that are lost, the economic impact of the pandemic, the social emotional impact of the pandemic, it, and what's happened with the elections and January 6th. Everything has has happened. We can we can tend to overlook the fight for racial justice, the the racial quality in America and Black History Month is a time to remember the people who have sacrificed, who have overcome violence, racial inequality, ra- systemic racism, from the bonds of slavery to all the way up to what's happening today in America, to honor the people who have overcome, who have contributed so much to our society, to, the, to, to people, to their families, just to making our country a better place. So that's what Black History Month is all about. So I just want to take a minute to say that before I get into what I did this week as far as fantasy football is concerned. And also, Todd, before we get into our topic tonight, just a couple things I've been doing. I fell down a nasty, nasty wide receiver BMI hole this weekend. It was ugly. It, I, I feel like I learned a lot about process and just better practices with dealing with data and just learned a lot about my process and also different biases that affect looking at, at, at data information. So I've, I'm still wor- sorting it out, but it was just a quite the, quite the rabbit hole I went under with wide receiver BMI. Ultimately, it doesn't matter, which I just want to get that out there. But yeah, so that's kind of what I've been up to. And just, you know, grinding the spreadsheets, Todd. Grinding the spreadsheets, updated another 30, 32 prospects added to the prospect database from 2021 today. So yeah, we're rolling along, Todd. And I'm excited to get into tonight's topic too. So... Uh, you're getting a little lazy with that data, man. Like those are uh, 
Why, why don't you get some more prospects in there, bud? Well, I think I'm up to like 186 for 2021. I, I feel pretty strong. Come on, man. 186? What about a four-round draft with only 48 picks? I need more options. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I got to say something about KDF. So, Katie and I were in a, a mock draft with uh, the Debbie Deep Dive. Brandon does awesome work. Great, great Slack community. And I swear that her sole reason for that mock draft was to pick all the guys I I forgot about and pissed me off I forgot about them. I'd be like, oh, that guy. Oh, God. It was uh, it was crazy. Like I was like, every pick after she took, I felt like I was sucking up. Like, that's a great pick. <laughs> it was like, yeah, she's a, she's a phenomenal mind. Yeah, the steak-ass uh, take on running backs is pretty fantastic. All right, question of the day. What's your favorite Disney movie and why? So... Sean had said Aladdin. That's a terrible choice. So we're just going to move past that. Dave, what's your favorite Disney movie? Now, I wouldn't say Aladdin's a terrible choice. It's got a great, great musical soundtrack, great animation, a lot of humor. Robin Williams is a master in that movie. But I, I, it does ultimately, it's not my, it's not my favorite or the best animated movie or Disney movie. So for me, too, I just want to say there's a big difference between my favorite and the best. If we're talking the best, I went with Beauty and the Beast because it's all around. It's got the best music, animation, combined with the depth of its story, themes, and characters. Honestly, phenomenal, phenomenal all the way around. But also, Belle ranks highly as far as being a complete character and not just a, a pretty face or a princess or whatever. And she ranks well with other other movies that I consider, she she definitely blows them out of the water as far as Jasmine, Nala. There's not even any females in Pinocchio. Ariel is, is a not the best uh, person I would look up to as far as a female role lead role. And then not, but maybe not. And then Belle might not be quite on Milan's level, but she's a great character. So that's why that I think Beauty and the Beast is the best Disney movie. But my favorite Disney movie, and just edging out Davy Crockett, is The Three Musketeers. Sword fighting, love romance, adventure, friendship, loyalty, and humor. Give it to me, baby. I love The Three Musketeers. And it's a classic. I love my literary classics. So I, I, I watched that movie so many times growing up. Not even, can't express how many times I watched it. All right. First, you just did a Disney princess's rankings there, kind of, for a second. The fact you just rattled that off was, I don't know whether that was impressive or sad. Maybe a little, I'm in a bolt. The fact that that was so readily available is the part that really, really surprises me. Now, The Three Musketeers, you're talking about the live-action one, correct, from, like, the 90s? Yeah, with uh, Tim Curry as the Cardinal on Outstanding. Sutherland. Oliver Platt, dude. Was Platt so was a great ass. Porthos. Yeah. Yep. Phenomenal movie. That's a great one. Good call. I love that movie. That was, uh, that was in the sick day rotation with Angels in the Outfield. Oh, great movie. And my favorite Disney movie of all time, and that is The Mighty Ducks. All-time favorite movie as a kid. It's actually a pretty solid plot for a kid's movie. Hilarious, emotional, intense, inspiring, sports, and the flying freaking V. And then, what's a better way to insult somebody than calling them a cake eater? It's like the greatest thing ever. But let's also say that I did love the sequels. But the original was actually a good movie where the sequels just hit my nostalgia some more. Mighty Ducks, all day. And I thought I heard a rumor that they're doing a reboot for that. There is a reboot. I saw footage today. There's a reboot in that's happening. 
I didn't know if I dreamed that or if that actually is happening. So that's really exciting. But Mighty Ducks all day. Todd, I, you'd think that we're getting through Mighty Ducks without a Julie the Cat Gaffney reference. I, I, well, first of all, <laughs> I did not say D2. My, she was not in the Mighty Ducks, okay? She was not in the. She was not part of the original Minister of Miracle, dude. She's not I, part I've, of I've reached my limit. I've, I think I'm only allowed to mention her once every three months, and I got to move on. But that's all I just got to say. That's yeah. all I got to okay. say. You, you need to stop, or I'm going to text Quinn, and she's going to come down and stop our recording, okay? So stop. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. All right. So we did uh, our consensus rankings for quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. So we're just going to briefly touch upon uh, some tight end pieces, and then we're going to get into some rookie talk, some of our favorites and some of our fades. But first, we're going to knock out our top six consensus for tight ends. Our consensus for top for the uh, tight ends was one was Kelsey, two was Kittle, three was Andrews, four was Waller, five was Hawk, and six was Fan. First off, I actually, Todd, I have to interrupt. First off, I did not, I'm not even sure if I contributed to these consensus rankings. I, and I have to disagree. You know what? Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I'm glad you said that. These aren't consensus at all. Kennedy just wrote these down. He never asked us. That's totally true. <laughs> and I, on I, top I, of I, that. I'm just reading the sheet. I'm like, that's true. We never, <laughs> we never discussed this. And on top of that, any ranking that does not have Kyle Pitts as the tight end one overall in Stop. Dynasty and possibly the number one player in fantasy overall is a farce. Okay. So let's just that, get that I, out of the way. I, I have a feeling that that's an embellishment. No, I'm try- uh, I hope Kennedy, who's listening at home, understands that I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. Okay. Good. I was like, geez, dude. I'm like, that's I like Kyle Pitts, but damn. I would say that it's probably those six in some order. I think we can agree on that. No. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Somebody that breaks. Yeah. So, for me, my change is I might put Waller's two or three. That large target share for two seasons makes me enough of a believer. But I'll be honest, I'm not drafting any of those guys after Kelsey because I don't like what the ADP would be. Yeah, I, I think I would prefer Waller right now because it's just such a volatile position. I'll just go with the guy getting volume. And I'm totally tilted on Kilt after Kittle last year. Yeah, and Dave talked about his style and that it actually got he actually got hurt and i, I traded him dude in our week after you have occupied occupied a lot of real estate in my head over the years it was nice to have a little this small victory it's still there it's still there man um i still have two shares of kittle and every time i look at him i think of dave would tell me to trade him so but yeah i think the other thing too is that like you know andrews is probably pretty firm around like three four I'm big on Hawk over Fant, and it's funny to always talk bear those two because they were teammates, which is hysterical. But with Hawk and Fant, I have Kaseki and uh, Tanyan right in the same tier, and those are the kind of guys, I guess that would be around like my top eight right there. Any thoughts, Dave? The only question is, Tanyan being a free agent, does that matter at all to you? I mean, as, as the bottom of like tier three, no. Is, does he deserve being that same conversation because he might not be attached to Aaron Rodgers on a team that yeah. has some cap issues. Yeah, I, I believe in the talent and it's like, I think that that would be the bottom of the tier, but you'd be able to get him two or three rounds later than Fant. So, I mean, I haven't looked at the ADP, but that's kind of like the, like, that's where the tear break would, would, would be. I probably wouldn't like his ADP because we'll get into my tight end strategy later on. But that's kind of what my eight is. Any anything else you want to add, Dave? 
Oh, I'm I'm ready to hop into just strategy at this point because I think right. everyone kind of agrees with with what we just said there. So if yeah, so if anybody's a faithful listener, is like Dave and I have talked about tight end strategy quite a bit. Kind of refresh everybody about how we approach tight ends. What are we chasing when we look at tight ends? Like, do we target the top guys? Do we wait till late? So, Dave, what's your approach with uh, acquiring tight ends? But my overall strategy is Travis Kelsey's dominance the last several seasons has put a major premium on tight ends. I think sometimes people, for, oh, we always hear this, you got to invest in the top three tight ends. You got to do it. And I think people are forgetting that actually we just need to invest in Travis Kelsey because of how dominant he has been, has been incredible. And I can't think of another tight end besides Tony Gonzalez, who has been able to stay as healthy and dominant for a, for, and I think Tony Gonzalez has done it for longer, but just what Travis Kelsey has done has been special. So, in, and in particular, because of this 2020 season, what Travis Kelsey has done, the invest heavily in tight end str- strategy has been become one of the most popular strategies that I hear people talk about. Everyone says, go, you got to get the elite tight end. That is a lot of people's major takeaway of 2020 was you need to invest in the tight end. And in my opinion, that makes the strategy even more costly. So if everyone's doing that, it makes it even harder. I thought it was hard to get a top tight end in the past, but now it's even more difficult because there's extra premium put on that. And I'll be honest here. I've never had Travis Kelsey on a fantasy team, but I have had Rob Gronkowski. So I have invested in, in the top tight ends at some point throughout my fantasy experience or career, whatever you want to call it. And I think Todd and I are going to be similar in here, but I believe in paying up for tight ends in tight end premium or two tight end leagues, especially two tight end leagues. I love paying up for tight end, two tight end leagues. And then besides that, I'm streaming the position. And I think people also forget, where did Darren Waller come from? He was a waiver wire pickup. He was a... Exactly. Where did Robert Tanyan come from? He was a waiver wire pickup. Logan Thomas, who who was a tight end one this year. Like the guy came out of nowhere, you know? I had Robert Tanyan everywhere this year. Every single team except for one redraft team, I had Robert Tanyan. I was all over him. Shout out to John Paulson for four for four. I think he was, he was, he had put his flag on him. And I just, I heard that and I just latched onto it and ran with it. So, and that's basically it. I, if I cannot get, if, what does that mean by like stream the tight ends? I want young ascending tight ends or potentially ascending tight ends. John Lewis Smith's been a target. Now, did he had some ups and downs this year, but he ended up, I think he was a, a good pick considering everything that happened this year as far as tight ends concerned. I want to invest on Fant. I want to invest in Hawkinson. I want to invest in Njoku back in the day, even though I didn't point out. I just want that upside of a youngest ending tight end. Do I want to spend rookie picks on it? No, but if they show me some promise after a year, I'll spend some capital to go get him. Just be just because after I see it, after I, I know what that value is, I'll go get it. So that's essentially my tight ends. I'm either investing heavily in two tight ends and then... I want young ascending talent in startups and in trades. I'm willing to go get them after they show me something after year one. What about you, Todd? You're one fourth of the way there to being a winning manager. (laughs) Because we actually agree to a great degree on this position. So I'm proud of you. Good progress, buddy. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm just like Dave. Like, it's Kelsey or weight. The position fluctuates. The wire's always there. You can stream this position. J.J. Zacharyson does an amazing job with that. So, yeah, easily, easily to stream in any format. I don't care if it's two tight end, tight end premium. You can stream it and win. I mean, it's so varying. And the top, like, top-tier tight ends, it's Kelsey and everybody else. 
So in startups, I would be tearing out overall position for the first three rounds. I don't do positional tiers for like my first, the first 36 picks. It's always, I know probably top four rounds, I have like a little bit of a mix, right? And Kelsey gets put in there somewhere and Kittle used to be, but I'm off Kittle. So Kelsey would be the only tight end that I'd even target in the first four rounds. If I don't get him, obviously I'm just going to wait. And I'll make my list of late targets and I'll wait for a tier break at running back, tight end, or I'll just be looking at the field and not really liking what I'm seeing. And that's when I'll target my tight ends. I'm not prioritizing it. I'm not putting capital in it. So for trades, I also won't pro- prioritize tight ends unless it is a, t- a tight end premium or two tight ends. And the, just like Dave, I'm looking for the younger tight ends with good value that are ascending, like a Gasecki, an Irv Smith, like those kind of players. I think um, I'm going to talk about another guy later on in the rookie picks of a guy that I think is going to fall into that category, but obviously landing spot matters there. But I'm not overpaying for a tight end. Maybe Hawk. Hawk might be the only one I overpay for. And I don't think it'd be a massive overpay. And he might be and discounted it, after what's been going on in Detroit. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe in the talent there. And I think that what what you would pay for Hawk for what his ceiling could be, Hawk could easily be the number two tight end in fantasy next year. It's totally in the wrong possibility. And Kelsey's won until unless he's hurt. So the other thing that Dave and I, the only difference is I will target veterans with established roles that are getting up there. Your Ebrons, your Jimmy Grahams. I mean, Jimmy Graham had an established role. Like I'm talking about from last season when I had him as my as my third tight end, and that was huge when I lost Kittle. Because you know why? No one's going to ask for a lot for them, and they're going to be startable pieces. And you're not going to give up a lot of capital. And those you, you got to have good starting pieces. So I'll go get the old guys, and I'll figure out tight ends later. Just keep playing that carousel, baby. But. I did trade for Kelsey in that in our in our home league, and it's been phenomenal. It's just been phenomenal. So yeah, so I just kind of like play through that uh, that two tight ends with a little bit of a carousel. And Kyle Rudolph ain't dead, baby. Always remember Kyle Rudolph's around. So yeah, I mean that's kind of my so Kelsey or wait and find the value. That's it. That's it. And a couple other things that I want to add too is you need to buy into value dips. So Irv Smith, I yes. believe, took a value dip this year because. People were high on him. He was a young tight end. Didn't quite live up to expectations because of, oh, Kyle Rudolph is there. Low volume offense. Buy in two dips for players that you believe in at the tight end position. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's plenty of guys to be able to keep that in mind with. I mean, I I thought that Irv Smith Jr. was a phenomenal pick. I mean, he's probably still just rounding out the top 12 on most lists, you know? Another O.J. Howard right now, Todd. O.J. Howard, absolutely. Adam Trotman. He was he didn't see the field much. He's he's probably gonna get an opportunity. I think Najoku, it, like whatever is going on with that situation with him. Njoku. Yeah, I like that. Njoku. Oh, here's another good one too. Blake Jarwin. Yes. He, yes. Blake Jarwin, because he got hurt. But that's another good one to be looking into. So yeah. And those are guys you're not gonna spend a lot on. And you know what happens when they burn you later on because you put too much faith into it? You didn't spend a lot. You're okay. Jack Doyle's always there, baby. Jack Doyle is always there. But until Moe Cox takes his job. God, I want Moe Co- Mo Alley Cox to be a thing. All right. You ready to move on, buddy? It's time to get into the main course, my friend. All right. So we're doing rookie fades and rookie faves. So Sean came up with some really cute categories that I'm going to read. 
No, Sean does a great job of the show sheet, but sometimes I have to ask him what he means by his question. Uh, this one I understood pretty clearly. Who is the darling of this class for you and why? So essentially, who is your rookie one? So for me, I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not like going to throw out like some guy that's like a late first or whatever. My darling is between two guys. It's Travis Etienne and it's Najee Harris. And the reason why I can't pick between the two of them is that's literally where I'm at. Whenever, whoever gets a better landing spot, that's who I would take. Very different backs, both outstanding talents. Dave's going to point to the fact that Harris is so old. I don't care. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's got the receiving ability, and, which makes him a better candidate for a workhorse role, like that guy to get more volume. But Etienne could also be a three-down back, and he's by far the most explosive draft uh, running back in this draft or last year's draft. I think that I like Etienne and Harris more than every, everybody except Taylor and maybe Swift. From last Wow. Last. More than Dobbins, more than Akers? Wow. I, I, wow. I, I guess we're going to firmly disagree on that one, but okay. I had Etienne in my top five, and then he, then he went back to Clemson. You know, I, I was huge on Etienne coming out. I'm still huge on Etienne. And I know everyone's going to point out the different pieces about he's not that traditional runner. I've watched so much Travis Etienne. The guy is an absolute explosion. He's a big-time player. If he gets put in a decent landing spot where they can use his strengths, to the best of his ability, he's going to be a special player, man. And Jonathan Taylor is the only guy that I really like more than both of them. Uh, I would say DeAndre Swift's like in a similar tier with them, though, too, because I love DeAndre Swift last year, too. Do you have any thoughts on Etienne or Harris so far? So I am very extremely early on my rookie process. When I say how early I am, today was the first day that I have looked at or analyzed any rookie data. This was t- today was it for this show. I that was the first rookie analysis that I have personally done. I have avoided every podcast like the plague that has talked about rookies. Even my favorites, I have not listened to it. I did listen to one and that was the Dynasty Dummies with Zachary and J Mike. So that was the only one that I've listened to because I want to have my own opinions. And it's not that I don't I think Harris is a very good back. I like him. He's going to be a top back for me. Some of the concerns about his age though and I understand all of the, the counterpoints to the age argument with Harris. I totally get it. His play on the field, special. Athleticism, special. Catching ability, which I didn't think he had, he has shown. The question marks, though, is why didn't he do it a little bit earlier, even though it was Alabama? Yeah, I get all of it. Is that I just might want to take the wide receivers instead this year. You, Todd, we talk about this all the time. Usually, I'm a huge running back and rookie class guy. This year, I might be going wide receiver more often just because of some of the question marks I have these backs. So let's talk about why Harris didn't do it, all right? So Harris's freshman year, he had 61 carries for 370 yards. The leading rusher on the team with the most attempts was Jalen Hurts. So they had a rushing QB, followed by Damian Harris. After that, we had Bo Scarborough. And right below Najee Harris, we have Josh Jacobs. So, yeah, it was kind of loaded, man. And it's Bama. Like, you, like, that's the argument we always have. And then the following year, you're looking at him... Jacobs took the role, and he had, a, he had a split with Harris. It was Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, and Najee Harris, all within 20 carries of each other. It was a pretty even f- spread. I don't know what to tell you, except like like two other starting NFL running backs that were also at Alabama were getting plenty of work. And Damian Harris was like the top recruit 
in his class when he got to Alabama. I don't know. I think Najee Harris put up some pretty damn good numbers considering the talent around him. I hear everything you're saying, Todd, and it's not that I'm, I don't want to be labeled as a Harris hater because usually with age 23, I'd be like, this dude's trash. Like, that was one of my biggest arguments I had against Keyshawn Vaughn. I had real concerns about his age. I have less concerns with Najee Harris than I did Keyshawn Vaughn. And I don't want to be, I am not a hater of, of Najee Harris. I want to make sure that is absolutely clear. It's just that when I'm investing in running backs, one of the reasons why is because I'm confident in them. I, I, as a rookies, is that I know the volume is coming, that draft capital, their athleticism. I'm, there's a confidence, there's less risk involved. I feel there's a little bit more risk with Harris, even though that I think he's still ultimately one of the better running backs in this class. Will you or have you watched any film on these two guys? I've seen a couple of games of Harris. Will I watch film? I might watch a highlight clip, but am I going to go back and watch games? No, I won't. Okay. I, I, I test, baby. It's there for both these guys, big time. All right. I will rel- I will say I will rely on people like J Mike, on people like Zach Reed who have gone and watched it and they have told me good things about him. So that does dispel it and I trust them and they're telling me that he is one of the top backs in the class. And that's why that I'm not letting these other concerns play a major role. So I will what say that. What the heck? You're trusting them and you're not listening to me? Well, Todd, this is the first time we've talked about it, so I can't <laughs> say that I was listening to you before we've talked about it, right? Oh, I've been talking about him for a while now. You just were tuning me out. Well, that's true. I, I've been tuning out all rookie talk <laughs> until today. All right. Give your darling. So my darling is, this is, feels a little out of character. And first off, I just want to say a little bit about my rookie strategies. At this point in how I approach, I'm a very data-driven person. Shocker on the podcast. I like data. I like spreadsheet. All that all that pizzazz. All the, Honestly, the, I, I like the sexy stuff. And that's what spreadsheets are. So let's... I'm not more than boring, oh, let's sit there uh, and watch game film, guys. So I, I'm going with the sexy, going with the spreadsheets. And one of the, f- early on in the process, I'm more eliminating players than establishing who is good. So I, I'm more of throwing, establishing what red flags I have in players, things that stand out to me is why that I might differ from the consensus and more avoidables. So I'm not more as confident in who people that I like. But that being said, the first players that jumped out to me was Kenny Gainwell out of Memphis. Didn't play in 2020. Opted out for a lot of personal reasons. I think he's lost four family members, I heard on Dynasty Dummies, to COVID. My heart goes out to him. That's another for another topic, but I just have to say, what his stats are showing me, 16.8 rush attempts in his one dominant season that he had at Memphis. Over 25 fantasy points per game. Almost 1,500 yards on the ground. Over 50 receptions. He was dominant. At a team that had Antonio Gibson on the roster and Patrick Taylor, who people were kind of whispering about at one point last offseason. So there was some good talent around there. And he's one of the few backs in his class to have over 2,000 scrimmage yards in a season, which is, is, is significant. Dominant player in college. Biggest concern with Kenny Gainwell is his size. Apparently, he's in the 190s for his weight. And everyone knows that I love my BMI. Not really anymore. But he, I like my backs over 205, 210 pounds. Coming at 190, 195 would be a concern. But if he was to come in at over 200 pounds with that receiving upside, with the ability to show that he can handle the load in college, is exciting. And the best part about him is that he is not going as one of the top picks. He is to be had in the second round. I'm not even sure if he's a first-round pick. He's probably not even a first-round pick in Dynasty right now in Superflex. So I like that part about Kenny Gainwell. But there's a lot of ifs, how his athleticism comes out, how his what his size is. But yeah, I like Kenny Gainwell. 
the fact that like his BMI is what it is and you picked him blows my freaking mind. That's crazy. That's crazy. But I love Kenny Gainwell. I got him all over the place in Debbie. Unbelievable talent. So I love the pick with Gainwell. I'm just very surprised that you went in that direction. I got to be honest. And Todd, I guess my biggest takeaway is I am not that impressed with this running back class. That That is my biggest takeaway so far is, yeah, ETN, I get a little bit more excited about ETN than I do Harris, but I understand Harris's value and upside and, and everything goes into Harris. I was so excited about Todd. We talked about this countless, countless episodes about how much I was excited about the RBs in last year's class. I just don't, I've lost that love and feeling with the RBs in this class. And that I think that's one of the, one of the reasons why is because one of the most attractive players to me is Kenny Gainwell right now. That's fair. I mean, I would have Kenny Gainwell as my RB4 in this class. Um, obviously, you know, my one and two is. Uh, Javante Williams, I would put three. But I know, I'm actually really intrigued to see how you feel about Javante Williams later. I feel like you're going to have the whole breakout conversation with me later. But let's not digress. Let's move on to our next fave. So this is, who is your girl or boy next door in the class? which immediately followed with me texting Sean and asking, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Which he said, well, who's the person that should be getting more attention and you should be paying more attention to? You know, you should be paying attention to the girl next door, not the hot cheerleader. Oh, okay, that makes sense, Sean. So I thought that was a pretty solid impression, no, Dave? Uh, Katie would love it. She's probably going to listen to this episode now. Sean's wife is going to listen to the episode and love it. Yeah, fantastic. Katie, we expect five-star review, Katie. Thank you. Yeah, where is our five-star review from Katie? Messed up. Come on, Maestro. Dave, who is your who is your boy or girl next door of this class? No offense, Sean. I did not pay any attention to your categories. I just did my three faves from this class. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, did, I, I did pay attention to the categories, and I tried to go with the themes, and we had the same person. <laughs> that being said... I did like the movie The Girl Next Door. I really enjoyed that movie. I think it's under it does not get talked about as far as comedies are concerned in that era. So good, dude. So good. A lot of great act like a lot of actors went on to have prominent roles from that movie too. I, I really like I actually have to watch it. Probably put that up on the list soon to watch again. But who's that player? Rondale Moore for me. And why? Well, guess what? I haven't said it all freaking episode and we were talking about rookies, so I'm gonna say it right now. Age 18 breakout year, dominant age-adjusted production. His yards per attempt numbers are dazzling. His PPR floor mixed with his big playability is just sexy. And I guess, and I, he's a lot of things that when you look at his profile, like, oh, he didn't really do very well his sophomore junior season. Well, he had, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he had an injury in his sophomore season. You are, you are correct. And then this year he did this, Really weird, I'm playing, not playing, fiasco. Yes. So there's things you can explain with it to to explain these low numbers away. And something that I look to be doing in my my database overall is yards per attempt per game played. I guess that is a very effective metric. I have not added something I want to look at in the future, but I believe his yards per attempt per game played is just downright filthy. And the best part about Rondell Moore is, is that he's not, I don't think he's going 104, 104. He's not Shamar Chase. He's not getting the Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle hype. Maybe a little bit in that in this, that conversation, but I think he's very attainable in rookie drafts. I really like Rondell Moore's profile, his athleticism, or I think he's got some decent athleticism. His size is not traditional, but he's got 
he's he, just his age adjusted production is phenomenal. Now I'm curious where he's going to go in the NFL draft. I'm not sure if he's going to go first round. I I would if he went first round to a team that'd be phenomenal. But overall, I just love me some Rondell Moore, Todd. What about you? That was that he is my boy next door because um, I have him right now as my wide receiver three. I think Devontae Smith's Heisman season and what he was able to show gave me enough respect to put him at two. With that said, I might prefer more because I'm not going to have to spend the capital to get more like I would for Smith. Um, yeah, so Moore's my guy. And I like what Dave said about where he's getting picked. I think he's, I'm pretty confident he's a day two pick. I'm very confident in that. So why did I pick more? So the other guy next door for me was Rashad Bateman. So Rashad Bateman, so Dave's saying that he loves his wide receiver class because he should. It's a phenomenal wide receiver class. And Bateman is another guy that's my wide receiver five. You're looking at him at like the beginning of the second round, late first round pick and super flexes. And he's a guy that's good enough to be the best wide receiver in this class easily. So Bateman was putting up disgusting numbers while Tyler Johnson was still at, in Minnesota too. So Bateman was my guy, but I was one of my guys, but I went with more. Why'd I go with more? It's like watching a mini yet stronger version of Tyreek Hill. I, I said it. He's one of the most dynamic players after the catch I have ever seen. And the thing that makes Rondell Moore so special is the fact that even though he's 5'8", and I want to say 5'8", five, 5'9", five, five, I think he's like 185, he's incredibly strong and tough to take down despite his height. That video of him squatting 600 pounds is crazy. And like Dave said, he blew up as a freshman. He won the Paul Horning Award, which goes to the most versatile player in college football because he was a dynamic rusher and a return man. He was the first freshman in Big Ten history to be a consensus first-team All-American. He caught 11 or more passes in six or out of 11 games as a true freshman and ended the year with 114 receptions. That is ridiculous. Now, you want to talk about competition? He did it against dominant programs. 12 catches, 107 yards, and two touchdowns against then number two Ohio State. Why isn't Rondell Moore higher on lists? His size and his durability and his, the ability to play on the outside are the only knocks on him. It has nothing to do with his actual game. I believe he's going to be a dominant slot, Swiss Army knife type of player in the NFL. For the love of God, end up on a good team so I don't have to be disappointed with him being wasted away. Before we move on, Todd, I just want to say, too, I think um, I do not have any ranks, but in my head, after going through a quick run-through, I'm pretty confident he's going to be a top-two wide receiver for me in this class. That's fair. I, I'm, I might put him over Devontae Smith. I think I'm still um, falling in love with what I've seen for Devontae. I think Devontae Smith is a phenomenal wide receiver, but I will say this firmly. No one's touching Jamar Chase at one for me. That's firm. Our rookie fave. Who is the miscongeniality of this class? Kennedy. So weird. So I just went with like my, this is my favorite sleeper. This is my favorite sleeper of the, of the draft. And it's Brevin Jordan. As I said before, I don't put a lot of stock in the tight ends. So I love to grab rookie tight ends nice and cheap, then stash them. Uh, Dallas Goddard was somebody I got in our draft in the third round one year. Bryce Hopkins, Trotman, Komet, both Bryants last year. 
some of those guys I just named could have been free agent pickups. Low capital, not a huge miss. So Jordan is a little bit ahead of those guys. So he's looking at could be a late second round pick to an early third round pick, which is crazy value for this guy. In most drafts, he's easily the tight end one, but he just happens to be with Kyle Pitts and and Pat Fryermuth. So he's the tight end three on most boards, just given the depth of the position this year. But he's a truly great tight end, who's a great all-around tight end. People telling you that he's a flex tight end, dude can block and hit, which is going to get teams to want to put him on the field. Tight ends need to be able to block to see more reps. But he's also a very good receiver, which is why people think he's a flex tight end. So I would take him right now, early third round, without even knowing where his landing spot is. Good landing spot. I can see him moving up into the middle of the second round, and he's still good value. He's a very, very good player. Very good player. So yeah, Brevin Jordan, tight end, Miami. That's my that's my guy. That's my sweeper. Todd, this is very informative to me. I did not know that there were tight ends outside of Kyle Pitts in this class, except for there was one name that did stand out for me was Trey McKitty, just because of how fun that name is. So that's the only other tight end that I really know about at this point. So I'm 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 excited to dive into it at some point, Todd. Trey McKitty's a good player too. <laughs> um, no, Brevin Jordan, man. I think you're I think you're gonna like what you see. I think you're gonna like what you see. I, I like everything you're saying, Todd. I do remember him getting some buzz as far as his name in this class, and maybe the allure has faded a little bit after Kyle Pitts has name has skyrocketed. So I like I, I like what you're throwing down, what I'm trying to say. I, I would say before this football season, Jordan, for people that do really early rookie projections like myself, he was the tight end one. And then Pitts just blew up this year. And then I think Pat Fryermuth is probably the two because he had a great year. But I think why people like Fryermuth is the fact that he is the most complete tight end in this draft. So Fryermuth is going to see the field because he's an outstanding blocker too. I think I like Jordan more as a receiver than Fryermuth, but I like Fryermuth in confidence in seeing him be on the field more. But Dave, who's your who's your third favorite? Todd. I forget how much I enjoy talking about rookies because this has flown by. I can't believe this is already the last favorite that we're going to talk about tonight. But my favorite is Tillin or Tylen. I don't know how to pronounce it. Wallace Tyler. out of Oklahoma State, I believe. Uh, he broke out in a big way at age 19. It's something like a 40% of that, that offense at age 19 really came onto the stage and then I was really hoping he was going to come out after his junior season, but the problem was I believe he had an ACL tear or some kind of knee injury that that really derailed that season. So, of course, he wasn't going to come out, but he came right back after he still had a decent share of that offense considering that injury, and he still put up good numbers after the injury. Tillon Wallace, he is a, I'm pretty sure he's locked in the second round of rookie drafts at this point. I really like what he did from age-adjusted production his early breakout. I have no idea what his athleticism is. I don't know anything about his play style. I'm excited to learn more about him, but he jumped off the page as a player that I'm, I, I'm just excited to see what else is going to happen during this rookie process with Tillon Wallace. I love that pick. He's right up there with one of my favorite. I would say Wallace, Marshall, uh, Terrence Marshall, and Elijah Moore 
are probably my three favorite like value tight ends. Uh, tight ends, excuse me, wide receivers. Probably all around like early, mid, second round. And those are all like first round types of talents. Now I'll drop my other sleeper for wide receivers. And anybody in our leagues listening, I'm not saying it. Uh, so... <laughs> I was like to say, what? This is not on the show sheet. <laughs> Tutu Atwell. Look him up. Big fan. Oh, Todd loves his NFL bloodlines. I do love NFL bloodlines. So, <laughs> um, all right. So moving on from fade, uh, from faves, we're moving to our fade section. So who is your heartbreak bo- motel? Your boulevard of broken dreams in this class. Oh, God. He's so flowery. All right. Who's going to bust, Dave? Uh, who are your busts from this class? So this is actually funny, and I think this is where my process early on is highlighted. Todd, I feel like, spent a lot more time early on talking about players he liked, whereas I kind of I didn't really have a lot to say about Tillman Wallace. I just had a couple numbers that jumped off the page for me. Rondell Moore, I liked, didn't have a lot to say besides just review the numbers. Same thing with Gamewell. I don't have a lot to say except for just I like your initial what I'm seeing, what's putting out. But what I, I have a lot more to say about people who have red flags and some red flag. I have like four or five players that jumped on the page with me for red flags. And I only was supposed to talk one, but I'm sorry, whatever. We've, we're, we're at 52 minutes right now, Todd. This is, this is impressive for us as far as how quickly we're going through the show sheet. We were doing so well, man. We were doing so well. Wait, uh, wait. I thought we were going to get to an hour. I'm just going to sit back and get comfortable. Have fun. So a couple of just my fades early on. Zach Wilson, he's DLF's QB3. I think he's a lot of people's either QB2, QB3 in this class, and also another QB, Mac Jones. He's DLF's QB5. What do I see from these QBs is that Jim Saunas from Number Fire has done a lot of work on experience and how that, that translates to NFL success. Not a lot of experience for Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. And you can, yes, you can always explain away. There's always reasons for why quarterbacks aren't getting the the playing time. Yada, yada. I understand. But that does not take away from the fact that more games started, more attempts, all these things matter for or as signals for QB success, especially early draft capital success. Zach Wilson, essentially one good season, one and a half good season, you want to call it. Same Mac Jones, he took over for for um, Tua when he got went down and then had a very good season. Both these quarterbacks don't have a lot of rushing upside. So to go on with their, their success, Zach Wilson only really one breakout season. And those issues combined with the lack of rushing upside are major concerns for me. If I'm spending a top, especially with when everyone's telling me how great this class is, I, I'm going to take a QB just because of the positional value when I have these concerns. Uh, I'm not quite so sure, especially when I could take a Rondell Moore, a Jamar Chase, all these other players are players who are supposed to be studs over, and just because I'm going with positional value. So that's some concerns. Now, I will say Mac Jones is a more accurate passer than Zach Wilson is. Everything that I've seen so far from Mac Jones in my, in my numbers, his QBR, his completion percent, I have a hacked version of Josh Herms Myers. Completion percentage over expected. I don't have. I don't. I can't. I don't have sacks in my in my formula. But his numbers, as far as accuracy, which I really enjoy, are are really good. And for those quarterbacks, I'm just not going to be a just a sucker for draft capital for these QB needy teams in the NFL right now. And if this talk about Mac Jones going top fifteen, all this stuff, I, I'm okay with missing on Mac Jones and having to pay a premium in year two. 
Same thing with Zach Wilson in year two, if they're good. Instead, I'd rather take a uh, a swing on a more on a more dynamic talent at a different position. And then my other fades. Initially, now I have to do a lot more work on these players because I know there are a lot of hey, there's a lot of context apply to these profiles. But Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith. Jalen Waddle does not have a breakout age. Devonta Smith has a age 21 breakout age, so he does not meet that age 18 to 20 breakout age you like to see. Now, I understand Devonta Smith put, put up a special season, but he really exploded after Jalen Waddle went down. I just, if you're this good, and if you're that deserving of a pick, and I understand, like, people can made the same argument for Henry Ruggs last year. They made the same excuse for so many Alabama, they made for Alabama receivers, for Riley Ridley about how there was so much talent at Georgia, and blah, blah, blah. All these things, how they did well on the tape. You got to watch the tape to get real context. And I hear you. But initially, they do not have the age-adjusted production that I want to see investing top first-round rookie value. And that's why they're a fade for me. Now, if I do more work, look at some different advanced stats from other player people like uh, Matt Spencer as a analyst that I've come to respect a lot. He's doing a lot more with play-by-play stats and, and per game sets. Kent, Kent W. also is another guy who are showing some different types of analysis that I am not as familiar with and showing me why these players sh- should be more valued. I hear you. And I also have to go to my, my film people and listen to what Todd's saying, what other film people are saying about these wide receivers. But initially, I'm fading them at what their cost is. I can actually respect all those takes. I mean, I'm not going to agree with like Waddle and Smith just from, you know, from a film perspective, uh, particularly Waddle, because... I think what you're fading on Waddle is you're looking at him as, well, kind of in the same place you're looking at Ruggs last year with the late first-round capital. But I, I think he's a significantly better receiver than Ruggs was, and it shows up on film. But we'll get into that a little bit more deep in other episodes. I really like the Zach Wilson take. I almost went that far. I almost went that far. But I'm still, like, really grinding out my opinion on Zach Wilson still. So I didn't quite go there, but I liked it. I like He it has a, a Mitch Trubisky feel to me. I'm probably sure there's they're not similar and all that stuff, but just a flashback to Mitch Trubisky for me. And I don't Honestly, just, man, if you watch him on film, it's sexy. Like he does like a lot of scrambling around. He throws the ball like all the way across the field to the other side, throws like absolute cannons. He looks good on film, but I agree with you. The fact that why hadn't that happened sooner? And he had, and he, and he was starting. Like, there's no reason. So, yeah, I like that. I, I just have to dive more into Wilson. Have you looked into Trey Lance at all yet? I have, and he's firmly my QB3, and that could change to go higher, but I have, I will, it will be a struggle to get Zach Wilson or Mac Jones over Trey Lance in my rankings. I like it. I um I have tra- I think we have the exact same one two three. So anyways, yeah. So my fades, uh, Mac Jones was also one of my fades, but I also am gonna throw Kyle Trask in there. Uh, I was a big big Kyle Trask fan during the year, but then it got to a point with Kyle Trask where I wasn't quite sure about you know whether he was gonna be able to make that jump to the NFL. What really made me lose my faith in Trask was. Once Pitts opted out, Trask looked terrible without him. And if you watch a lot of Trask films, he's throwing balls where Pitts is just 
straight up completely outstretched, having to make like an extra extra step, a dive, or something. So the ball's not on the money necessarily. I love Kyle Trask, though. He was a career backup, not a lot of fanfare, fought his way to that starting job. He's not a bad passer, but he's not a great passer. Limited mobility, and he was definitely boosted by talent around him. Mac Jones is the same. He's just a better player, but he's also demanding way too much capital. I don't think Mac Jones should be a first-round draft pick in the NFL draft, and I don't think he should be a first-round pick in Superflex drafts for rookie drafts. The narrative that's driving me nuts about Mac Jones, this is a little off of fantasy, if the Patriots take him at 15, I'm going to lose my mind because he's not worth that capital. There's so many wide receivers that I'd rather have at that pick or defensive players that are going to be absolute day one starters that I'd rather have on overspending on a, on a quarterback that has no mobility. And if you watch a lot of his throws, those dudes are open, wide open. Like Smith is blowing his competition. Waddle is blowing his competition. Michi is blowing his competition. He didn't have to throw into a lot of tight windows. And he will in the NFL. Not saying Mac Jones is a good player. I'm just saying that I think he's getting a little overhyped. So, with that said, I would like both guys' stashes, but what their ADP is going to come in, they're not stashes, and it's not justifying that kind of a pick. That's my What's take What's interesting, Todd, about Kyle Trask is he had a lot of, like, his QBR is pretty good. A lot of his accuracy stats are pretty good. A lot of, and this is the issue that I run into with just scouting quarterbacks through the numbers because they don't, they, it doesn't tell you the whole, it doesn't tell you everything that you need to know. And I, but in my head from what I've heard about Kyle Trask, as I knew that I should not be getting terribly excited based on these, the QBR or his, or these, these numbers that I, I, I might in the past have gotten really excited about. So it's interesting to hear you talk about him. Yeah. So the thing with him is, is that like, I, I don't really love his mechanics either. He throws off that back foot too much. When he's making his throws, he kind of holds the ball a little too long before he lets it fly, puts a little too much air under and sends it some more zip. He really benefited from, from like Tony and like pits on that team, man. And if he were to be someone who doesn't get the capital, the draft capital, when he slides to like a third round pick in the super flex draft, I'll happily invest in that and stash him. Because if I hit on a third-round pick with a quarterback, I'm happy. Just like I did with Ryan Finley. And I missed. And who cares? It was a third-round draft pick. And I got a few starts out of him. Not good ones. But he started. So, um, but yeah. So, forget Trask. Forget him. All right. We did it. It's pretty, it was pretty efficient. It's amazing how quickly this can go when Kennedy's not here. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, closing arguments. Dave, do you have any last thoughts on tonight's topic? Yeah, I guess just to reiterate, these are my initial takes. I want as we get more information throughout the offseason, th- uh, these things are these sub these takes are liable to change. Draft capital is a major part. I I also look forward to developing more of a rookie a pre rookie draft model where I try to iron that out. This is just day. This was literally day one rookie analysis for me, and God, it felt freaking good. I've been trying to avoid it like the plague. Because I know that this is all that's going to consume us for the next several months, maybe maybe like four or five months. But God, it's it's fun. This is exciting. 
I don't have the same excitement level as other people do on the 2021 class. People like I know Todd has always said, hey, like 2021 class is right up there with 2020. I don't see it quite yet from my initial run through. I still like the 2021 or the 2020 class more, but I am just excited to be talking about a the promise, the excitement, the value that can be had in dynasty dynasty drafts, dynasty trades, and rookie drafts. It felt good, Todd, to get going on 2021 tonight. And I know it's been tough for you to hold off. So it was good that I, I'm like already prepared for 2023. I don't know what you're talking about with 2021. That goes to the territory of being a Devi player. I've been ready to talk rookies since like August. But yeah, no, I so to to kind of skate back, Dave. I'm not saying 2021 is better than 2020. 2020 is better. 2021 is just like right there. It's in the similar tier of class. That's what I'm saying. All right. All right. All right. So I don't want to be misrepresented here, David. With that said, here's my thoughts about this this class. This is the class that if you have a first round pick and you're stuck between a few guys, this is the perfect class to trade back and get some capital. because. After, unless you're in love with Jamar Chase, you're going to end up with a sick wide receiver at the last pick of the first round or the first pick of the second round or that. With that also said, it's a really good draft for the second round this year. Lots and lots of good value in the mid seconds. Some really good like sweepers in the end of that round. And I'm even really into early thirds this year because there are some guys about 30 players deep that I really like. And obviously, we still got draft capital, landing spots, all that said. But once all that happens, people are going to firm up their ranks, and then those, all those prices are going to go up. So you got to kind of take a little bit of a risk here. And also, like, what's it going to cost to get a third-round draft pick? Probably not a lot, right? So second-round picks, third-round picks. When you get closer to the draft and you start firming up your boards, think about what what you're doing as a tier-based drafting and consider whether trading back into the first round is a good move to get some more capital because that's the kind of draft that it is. It's very deep and consistent. 2020 had more of the that top top end talent that I really liked, but that second round is juicy this year. Juicy. Dave, where can they find you, buddy? can find me at F underscore Spaceman on the Twitter and on the Patreon. I am trying to finish up this wide receiver BMI article for DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I, I, I'm trying to get back. I haven't written an article for them since like week 15, and I think I'm getting some looks, some, some wondering what's going on. I'm trying to wrap my head around this wide receiver BMI stuff. I'm almost there. I was hoping this was going to be an easy peasy article, but it's turned into this, this hot mess. So trying to get that out. Have a lot of things. I'm not sure about Utah, but the the, the issue that I'm coming up with is there's so many things that I want to tackle in the offseason. I, I, I'm, I'm almost overwhelmed, and there's so many things I want to do as I cannot focus and just get something done. So, yeah, check out the Rookie Prospect Database. Check out all the stuff over on the Patreon, and look for some stuff from, from Dynasty League Football coming to you guys soon. And also, I will be appearing on Rookie Fever Podcast weekly. So check out me over on Rookie Fever Podcast as well. And I have a bunch. February is a busy month. I'm doing about a guest, one to two guest appearances per month or per week in February. So I am ready to roll for the offseason. What about you, Todd? 
I love it, man. That's good stuff. I am going to dive into your and Peter Howard's database. I'm going to try to include that in my process this year, David. I'm trying something different. But I'm going to be still creating my ranks without the database and then seeing where my takes are when I look into the data. So I'm excited for that. And uh, shout out to Peter Howard for a wonderful discussion on surf ninjas on twitter i had a good time with that not quite a good bad movie for adults but anyways uh you can find me at ff underscore banterman on the twitter machine you can find my writing at idp guys that will be back up with a brand new website Nate did an awesome job of that. That's going to be dropping this weekend along with my Devi rankings. Just the top 25, top 50 is coming out soon. And then I'm going to be knocking out the top 100 by the end of the month. And then I'm going to be looking into doing some more Devi articles. One of the Devi articles I'm really going to be looking into, a lot of movement with some top-end running backs. Eric Gray, Ingram, tons of good names that have moved around that we're going to be talking about in the 2022 class. And also, check out the Rookie Magazine that's coming out for the IDP guys. Still working on those profiles. Just did my profile on Terrence Marshall. Have some thoughts. We'll get into him at some point. And one other quick shout-out. Dynasty Vipers are killing it with guests lately. They had Adam Rank on today. So go check out Dingus and Company over to Dynasty Vipers. They're doing some good stuff. All right. And thank you for listening to At A Tale of Two Rivals. I am FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. He is FF underscore Bantaman, Todd Foster. Shout out to Sean Kennedy, who couldn't be with us tonight. Thank you for listening, and thanks for listening to The Rivalry. Todd, that was a flashback as far we freaking that was an that was probably one of the most efficient podcasts we've done in forever. You know what's funny, Todd, is I might actually I'm not like we haven't talked about this yet because of like COVID and everything else, but February vacations around their corner. I might be delivering some beer to you in a couple weeks. Ooh, I'm quite excited about that, my friend. On top of that, when you show up, maybe I'll have my tail two rival city finally. Oh, Todd, I look, don't try to seduce me in that Tail Two Rivals hoodie. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm a married man. I'm sorry, man. It's going to look <laughs> sexy. I almost hit you guys up, but I think you guys are. Uh... Ronnie did awesome work, man. I'm obsessed with the crest, though. I wanted something with the crest. I'm going to, I'm probably going to get a t shirt with the book on it. Maybe we, maybe we should put it out to the fans who wants to buy some gear. But, um, yeah, man. No, that was, that was a good episode. I, uh, I look forward to doing some more rookie talk and, um, it's kind of funny, even though I'm a Debbie player, I'm still kind of like, I'm still kind of in my process. I think where I'm at in my process at this point is, man, is I'm like almost ready for the draft to happen. Like I need like landing spots and draft capital at this point. Like I think that's like kind of, you know, from playing Debbie, you kind of play around with it the whole time. I don't know. It's weird, man. It's weird. Like I feel like I'm just like, I'm already ready for that. Whoa, whoa, calm down. You got really excited about two in shorts in practice. In yeah. a dome by himself. Yeah. Todd. Todd. What? 
Tua in shorts is excitable at all times. If it's a game, practice, if it's just a DM that he happens to send me because he knows I like <laughs> his, his shorts pick. Totally okay, Tua, if you're listening. <laughs> and that, that's a wrap. <laughs> that, that will get him to shoot up Dave's rankings. <laughs>